Uh, Pastor Steve is going to be sharing in our second message in this series called Breaking Free. And uh, we're going to be learning from the book of Romans, uh, chapter 6. If you want to turn to that, if you brought your Bibles, or there might be a Bible right there in front of you in the pew. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible, take that one right home with you. We'd love for you to have it. But Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 14. It's also on the screen, but that's cheating. We want you to have a Bible and read that as well. It says this. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the, the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace.
Oh, I'd love to hear the rest of that. We've got to get on with the sermon. That ballad, powerful ballad, I just noticed my, I come unbuttoned here. My powerful ballad written 55 years ago by Sam Cooke. He was writing out of personal experience. Sam Cooke had experienced what it had been like to um, be discriminated against, to fight prejudice. In fact, one of the major events that led to the writing of this song was when he and his entourage were turned away from an all-white hotel and were not allowed to stay there. And so we look back and we are reminded with the, just the power of that song, the, the, the pain in change and the slowness sometimes in change. In fact, for some of us, change comes painfully slow. Have you ever tried to change a habit? Have you ever tried to start a new habit? It can be painful at times and it can be slow at times until you finally have, have got your, your body or your mind trained to do the, what you are planning or what you're desiring for your life. Um, it can be as simple as every now and then I'll change where my wastebasket is you know, on the different side of, a, of the desk or something like that. And, and I'll throw up the paper and I'll, and no, it's over here now. You know, you got, you got to train your mind. If you've done it at home, you've moved in the kitchen where you put your wastebasket. How many times do you go to the wrong, your wrong cupboard and your, wherever you have it? But also, it was, it, it can take a long time. In fact, habits, they say, and I've always heard, take a month to change. Now, that was rounded up from 21 days. Because back in 1960, a book was published. It was a very popular book. Strangely enough, published by a plastic surgeon who said it takes 21 days to form a habit. You know how I figured that out? He did a study of the people that he did surgery on. And on an average, it took him 21 days to um, get familiar with their face and feel comfortable with their face when they look in the mirror. And so he concluded it took 21 days to change a habit. And for 50 years, we've thought it took 21 days. But other studies have come out and said, no, it depends on what the habit is, how deeply it's ingrained. Do you really want to change or does someone else want you to change? That'll make a difference on how long it takes. And, and some of it, then we get into some of the addictive habits. And, and do, is it a physical addiction and, and all kinds of things. And the studies that have come out have said, on the average, a habit takes 66 days to start to form a new habit, 66 days. But even there, depending on the, what goes on, it could take anywhere from 18 to 258 days. So what's your habit? What do you want to start? I know I can, I can verify it takes a long time, for, especially if you're breaking a habit. It takes a long, long time sometimes for me. I was uh, about a year ago, in fact, it was over a year ago, in the offices back at the other end of the church, we shuffled offices. And so we changed where a few of us sit. And still today, in fact, it happens every now and then. The last time was about two weeks ago. I, I'm in my office and I hit print button, which means I got to walk out to the printer to get it. So I walk down the hall and I get what I want off the printer and I turn around and I start walking down the hall. And, you know, instead of watching and to not rock into people, I'm reading what I'm printing. And while I'm reading, I just automatically turn into my old office which is now Patty Peterson, our administrative uh, secretary's office, our administrative assistant's office. And she's, either, a lot of times, fortunately, she's not in there. 
Because if she's not, I usually make it all the way to the chair. <laughs> and then I look around and I'm, I said, something does not seem right here, you know. And it's because I'm, I'm not only forming a new habit, I'm trying to break an old habit that is ingrained. And when I'm not thinking it, the instincts just take over. And I go into that, um, into that mode. And so we know what it's like to change a habit. But this morning, we're here not to really just talk about uh, waste baskets or, or, or offices or even diets and things like that that, that are habits of ours, we're here to talk about something much deeper and bigger, and that's the habits and the hang-ups and the hurts, and as Pastor Eric talked about that last week, the sin that we get entangled in, and that we find so hard to conquer, so hard to get rid of, so hard to form a new direction and a new path. It's victorious Christian living that we struggle with all the time. Last week, Pastor Eric told us that what we really struggle with, and we are all struggling with it, is that we are all under the power of sin. In fact, he closed his message when we were talking about confessing the sins that we do have with a quote from Richard Foster out of his book, Celebration and Discipline. And I'm going to use just the end of that quote. The end of it says this, we are sinners together. In acts of mutual confession, we release the power that heals. Our humanity is no longer denied, but transformed. Transformed. You know, there's an, there's an act with our sins of confession, which certainly leads to forgiveness. But then there's a follow-up act. There is this transformation that our lives require as we follow Christ. John Ortberg, in his book, The Life, Every, the, the Life You've Always Wanted, says the primary goal of spiritual life is human transformation. The primary goal of human life is, is human transformation, reclamation of the human race. This word transformed that we see here in English, if you start looking up in uh, your, your Bibles and in most of your Bibles, you'll find that word transformed in English twice in the New Testament, in Romans chapter 12 and 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You'll see it there in both times. The Greek word is metamorphahu. And it's, it's a Greek word that you kind of hear that and say, hey, metamorphosis. Well, that's where we get the metamorphosis, the, the changing, the morphing from one form into another, Come, becoming the caterpillar who changes into a butterfly. And we see this change coming from the inside out. But sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's slow. Change doesn't always come easy. And we know that. But if we're going to be free, if we're going to be free from our hurts, habits, hangups, if we're going to be free from the sin, from the power of sin, if we want to break that power of sin in our lives, there needs to some point be a change or a transformation. But that can be tough. It can be so tough when we're, our habits, our hurts, our hangups, they're so ingrained in who we are. A few weeks ago, Pastor Eric had a cute little picture of a hamster or some animal in a coffee cup. Well, here's a hamster where he, we normally see him. <laughs> Running around in the wheel, never getting anywhere. Do you ever feel that way? 
You're, you're especially in our sin and, 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 and all the hang-ups that we have, we just feel like we're not making any progress. I just, I keep going, and the harder I try, the, the more tired I get, the more exhausted I get, the more I feel like a failure because I'm not getting anywhere. I'm just running and running and running and running because we're all under the power of sin. And as long as that power of sin is still in, in control, we're going to be like this little fella running and running and running, not making progress in our spiritual life, not living a victorious Christian life. The first step, the first step is surrender. The first step is confession. That's the starting point. But now we need to change. If, as Ortberg said, the primary goal of the spiritual life is transformation, we need to get off the wheel. We need to be start moving forward. The power that sin has over us must be broken. And so Paul writes today to us in Romans chapter 6, verse 1. He talks about this power of sin. He says this, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Paul raises an objection, and then he answers it. And we look at this, and he says, how can, what can we say? How can we go on sinning so that grace may increase? No way. It's not going to happen. I've, I've heard in the past, I've, I've read this in many occasions and probably in some books, that what Paul was doing here was answering people who were saying, hey, You keep saying that the more we sin, the more grace. And so, woo, we get to sin all we want. Let's go sin. Let's go sin because there's going to be more grace. In fact, just two verses earlier, Paul had said in in Romans 5.20, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Well, if sin increases, grace increases, let's go sin and do more sin and do more sin. Yes. But, But most scholars don't really think there were a lot of people going around claiming let's go sin more. That's probably not why Paul is addressing that here. What Paul, this is a doctrinal book that Paul is writing. And he's writing to those who are opposing, some, some who are opposing his doctrine. And they have just read some of his things that he's been saying and they've been hearing him preach. And they're not looking for a loophole. They're not looking for a loophole so that they can um, uh, sin more. They're not looking for a loophole. They're looking for the Achilles heel in what Paul's doctrine is. They're looking for the aha moment. That's, that doesn't make sense, Paul. Doctrinally, theologically, you're wrong. You can't be. And so what they were likely saying was that, Paul, your theology, your doctrine, as you're teaching it, is encouraging sin. And I don't think God encourages sin. And so, Paul, you're wrong. And your doctrine about Christ and his forgiveness and God's grace is wrong because it encourages sin. You said it yourself. Where sin increases, grace increases. And so he says, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. He said, that's not what I'm saying. I say, I'm not saying that, 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 that we should go on sinning. And says, he says, by no means. He says, we have died to that sin. Not only am I saying don't sin more, I'm saying die to it. And I'm saying we are those who have died to it. We can't live in it any 
longer. Last week, again, I mentioned Pastor Eric saying we are all under the power of sin. And he says we have this power that's there, even after we've confessed our sin, that power still is there until we say, Lord, I want to move on. I want to be transformed. I want to be changed. Our response to God's grace, and this is what Paul is saying, our response to God's grace is not to sin more. (laughs) The response to God's grace is to sin less and to be changed and to be transformed. When God comes into our lives, when Christ comes into our lives, our, our, our response is a gratitude, a heart of gratitude and praise and thanksgiving, and it's a desire to be like him, to please him, to do what he asks us to do, and it's the, the desire to not sin, but to change. And so he, he talks about the next few verses, this baptism. He says, basically what he's saying is, remember when you were baptized? He says, we were all baptized, but we were baptized into Christ and into his death. In fact, he said, when you were baptized, you died. Now, we know, at least here at French Church, no one has ever died that I know of during a baptism. (laughs) Now, I know some people... Some people get a little nervous when they go up there and they say, how long are you going to hold me under? (laughs) He says, don't worry, it's going to be brief, it's going to be quick, and we're there for you. But what he's saying, we haven't died physically, but we have died with Christ to ourselves. We have died, we no longer live for ourselves, and we have died with Christ to sin. We no longer sin. We no longer are empowered The power of sin is no longer over us. We are free. We are free. And that's what Paul is saying. In fact, in verse 6, he says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Well, we know our body wasn't done away with when we were baptized or when we accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. Our body wasn't. But he was saying, here, what you've got to understand is what I'm saying is we have died in that same way. We have died to sin. We have said, power of sin, Satan, you no longer have power over my life. And I love it here, and he says, for we know. We know. Three times, I don't know if you noticed, but Pastor Eric is reading, three times in this passage, he says something like, for we know. The first one was in verse three. It's not quite that, but he says, don't you know? He said, don't you know? Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized to his death? And then in verse six here, he says, for we know that our old self was crucified with the body ruled by sin might be done away with. So we've been, we've been crucified with Christ. We've been baptized into his death. Our old self was crucified. Our body has been done away with. We're no longer slaves to sin. And then in verse 9, he comes with the flip side when we're brought out of the waters of baptism. In verse 9, he says, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death has no mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So he's, he's painting this picture of, of ourselves just like Christ. We are identifying with him. We are part of him and doing away with that power of sin that's over us. And he follows up, states in verse 11, 
in the same way. Okay, now that you know all of that, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Count yourselves dead to sin. The power of sin has been broken. A powerful doctrinal statement. A powerful theology on Paul's part. We have freedom through Christ. We have been forgiven. We have grace that is poured out upon us. And our response is not to sin. It's to be sinless and to, and to serve him that power of sin be broken. That's a great doctrine. Amen? Amen. Sometimes doctrine and theologies are hard to live out, aren't they? Change sometimes is a long time coming. Transformation is not always easy. Even though power of sin has been broken, we find ourselves struggling as the old sinful nature tries to slip back in. As Satan himself seeks to steal, kill, and destroy, and he wants back into our lives, and he wants to destroy the victories that were won. And so sometimes, I don't know in your life, but in my life, it can be difficult to really, really say, God, I'm making progress in my spiritual walk. We struggle. We struggle forming habits. We struggle breaking habits. Sometimes change is a long time coming. And for some of us, it's just too long. The desire of God is for us to live what I mentioned earlier, a victorious Christian life. I was thinking about that victorious Christian life this week. What does it look like? If someone comes up to you and said, what's a victorious Christian life look like? How can you describe it? And a few things as I was doing some reading and it came to my mind, but the first thing I, I know about a victorious Christian life, it's, it's not impossible to sin. Even though the power of sin has been broken, it's not impossible to sin. But I know this, it's possible not to sin. It's possible to live a life and to, and to, in fact, number two is I know temptations come. And they're going to come whether we, we like it or not. But I know that God has provided a way that we can overcome temptation through the power of his spirit. I also thought that this life is, it's not for just a few. You know, we come here this morning, we think, okay, well, boy, they're the super spiritual, and there's the 14 in here that are that. Are, they're that. And, and the rest of us are just the common Christians. <laughs> no, God's grace and his mercy and the power to break sin is for everyone. And then I also know I never need and we never need to stop growing in Christ. Growth in grace is necessary and it's possible. We can be transformed. We must change, but the good news is we can change. God's not asking us to do something that he can't do in us. And this is where I see for just a minute, sometimes it's good to talk to doctrine and understand the theology and understand what Paul's saying, but there's gotta be a point where some, at some point the theology and the doctrine and the practical side of life trans, uh, intersect. There's gotta be a practical aspect to this. How do I practice 
change? How do I practice transformation? It's something we need to do. And I love, and in, in, so through Celebrate Recovery, uh, step five, which is known as the transformational process, says this, to, to practice to practice transformation is to voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. Voluntary submit, voluntarily submit. After confession comes submission and after submission we start to see the changes in our life. It's the steps that we need to take and to say, God, what are you wanting to do in my life? We mentioned about this transformation word, transformed. Romans 12, one through two says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Transformed lives is a core value here at Friends Church. We believe we must be transformed, changed, growing if we are going to be living a victorious Christian life. And Paul gives us this doctrinal theology of why we need to, but how do we do it? That's why, that's why we come together. We help each other change at times. We help each other transform. We, we read together. We study together. Programs, many programs we have at the church here like Celebrate Recovery, we come together so that we can Understand and together be transformed. Rick, um, Rick Warren, a pastor of Saddleback Church out in California, was the church that started Celebrate Recovery back around 1990, I believe it was. Um, he's written a lot of things on recovery over the years. But, and one thing he wrote, which I thought was very intriguing as we talk about this changing here, is some steps to change. I've called them tools for change. And there's seven of them. And this is kind of the practical side. The practical side of putting into practice what Paul said. And I'd like to share them with you this morning just real quickly as we walk through and to close. But there's, there's seven ways that Rick says that he sees that change happens in lives. And the first one is this. Focus on one change at a time. Don't bite off more than you can chew. <laughs> Focus on one change at a time. Philippians 2.12 says continue to work out your salvation. We need, to, we need to work it out and keep, keep at it. And sometimes that's slower, maybe, than we would like. One change at a time. You know, I, uh, I know a lot of us, if you're like me, when you're, maybe when you're saved or when you come to Christ or the Holy Spirit in you, it says, okay, God, I was here, and now I want to be here, and I want to do it now. <laughs> but that doesn't always happen. In fact, I love what uh, Jonathan Benz says. He wrote the book, The Recovery-Minded Church. He says, transformation usually happens in increments. 
But the incremental nature of recovery makes it no less miraculous. I want you to focus on that a second because when I say I want to be here and now, God, I want to be here, but a lot of times God takes us like here to here to here to here to here to here to here. And it's a temptation to say, well, God's not in that. No, God has been working with us, with our limitations, with our, with our, with our defects, with, with, with the history that we have, who you are. And God's been molding you, and he's been working with you, and he's been helping you to work out your salvation, and he's been taking you step by step by step by step. One, just one change at a time. Benz goes on and says this, sometimes we can miss the little healing, little healing miracles woven into our daily lives. Those small nuggets of blessings that when multiplied across a lifetime bear witness to a God who all the while had been stitching us back together. One change at a time. Last week, Last Saturday, several of us attended a seminar. It was a, it was a, um, a seminar on church diversity and multi-ethnicity and, and things that we can be doing. We were just so excited. We learned a lot. and we were, we were, um, It was just a great time together, those of us who went. But one of the things the leaders told us, and especially to the small churches that were there, it says, they said, you've heard a lot of things today. You've heard a lot. Don't go and try to do it all. <laughs> In fact, the leaders said, do one thing. One thing we taught you, go do it. And I heard someone, someone had a question, and they says, okay, yeah, maybe you can try one or two. And he goes, mm-mm, try one. <laughs> try one and get it. Work on, work on that sin, that hurt, that habit, that hang-up that's dragging you down, and work on it. I, uh, I look at that, and this where seeing God in these small nuggets and, and realizing that God's been working all along. Sometimes maybe the question isn't to ask, well, you know, boy, it seems like I should be here, but I'm only here. The question to ask is, without God, where would I have been? If God hadn't been here, if God hadn't been with me, if God hadn't been leading and directing, if, if the power of sin had not been broken, where would I be? One change at a time. Number two, Focus on victory one day at a time. Jesus didn't say to uh, give us this month our daily bread. <laughs> he said give us this day our daily bread, one day at a time. You didn't get in your lifetime problems in a day, and you're probably not going to get out of them a day. Now, God works miracles. God does sometimes take people from here to here, but there are some times that God just works on us and works on us and works on us. Uh, Matt Chandler, pastor, um, mega church pastor down in Texas, the Village Church. Um, he, they started to celebrate recovery years ago and have had a, a great recovery ministry. He recently wrote a, wrote a book a few years ago called Recovery and Redemption. And in there, he's talking about this concept of focusing on one victory at a time. And he said something, maybe you've heard something similar to this. He just said this win the day. Win the day. In your sin, in whatever you're battling, win the day. If you don't win the day, then win tomorrow. But one day at a time. Number three, focus on God's power, not my power. Willpower does not work. Willpower generally will not get us out of the rut, out of the sin we're in. 
We're in it because our wills are broken and we are broken people. Second Peter 1.3 says, his, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge in him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Number four, focus on what I want, not what I don't want. What don't you want? Well, if it's eating, sometimes you don't want certain foods. But you know what happens when all you think about is what you don't want? <laughs> if, if pornography is part of your life and you don't want part of it, you don't stop and think about that. You think about something else. In fact, uh, Paul tells us Philippians 4.8, he says, finally, brothers, sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Some call that replacement behavior, taking what's, your, what's dragging you down, what's causing you to sin, what's causing you to stumble, and replacing it with other thoughts. And Paul says, here's some good things to think about. Here's some good things to replace with. Don't focus on what you don't want to do. Focus on what you want to do. Number five, focus on doing good, not feeling good. Feelings usually don't lead. They follow when we let feelings lead, we get in trouble. I'm gonna do good. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make my commitment to, to transform and change even if I don't feel that good about it because God's power is allowing me to do that. The power of God has replaced the power of sin in my life. Number six, focus on people who help me out, not hinder me. We talked about that a couple weeks ago surrounding yourself with people that help you out. But this, this really is why we have Celebrate Recovery, Financial Peace University, Grief Recovery. It's to be with people who help you, not people that hinder you. That's why these programs work. That's why they're good. Surround yourself with people who help you. And finally, number seven, Focus on progress, not perfection. Focus on progress, not perfection. Paul also told the Philippian church, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. The work began, and he's working, and he's working and he's working, and he's not going to leave you or forsake you. He's not going to turn his back on you. If you come to him and say, I want the power of sin broken, I want to live a life where I am no longer sinning, but I'm living according to you. I want to be free from the power of sin. He's there. He's there to supply the power. He's there to help you. He's there to provide all that you need through Christ Jesus. You know, I said earlier, it's kind of frustrating sometimes when we want to be, we're here and we want to be here, and it seems like God has taken us here, 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 here. But for most of us, that's not even the way it goes. It's more frustrating than that. It's God's taking us here, 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 and whoop, and whoops, <laughs> here, here, whoop, whoop, here, whoop, whoop, you know, whoop, 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 you know, fine. We're imperfect people. God has taken us, but then we fail. And then talk about frustration. 
Sometimes change comes slowly, but a change is going to come. A change has to come. Transformation is the goal of spiritual life. He who began a good work in you. How about you? He's not giving up on you. Have you given up? You said, I've tried to beat this, I don't know how many times. I've tried to, I've tried to beat this anger issue. I've tried to, to uh, uh, get a, this abuse that I've suffered in my past, and I just, I just can't get rid of it. He hasn't given up on you. Have you given up? I just want to close with one thing. And it's this, what's that one change in your life? Maybe as I was preaching, you've been thinking about that one change. Numero uno. Wouldn't hurt, there's pens in the pews there and you have paper. I know you maybe have a program with some empty space where you could write down that one thing. What's that one thing that I got to go to God with and say, God, this is, this is, this is not right. This is, this is a sin that is still in my life that when I died, when I, when I was baptized, when I became a Christian, that was supposed to go away and I just, I just can't do it. It's just been hard. It's been tough. Or maybe it's just something else. Maybe it's not even a sin, but maybe it's just something else in your life that you're saying, this is, this is not right. I need to get rid of it. I just, it's just harming me. It's not, it's not allowing me to serve God in the way I want to serve. What's that one thing? What's that one thing? And this week, what I'd like you to do is pray about that, but then that's the thing you don't want to focus on. Focus on what God wants to replace it with. Focus on what God, where God wants to take you. What is it that I can focus on that will, I can leave that behind with the power of God, with the power of His Spirit, and walk away from it forever? What is it? What's that one thing? He who began a good work will carry it on. Don't stop. Let him work in you. Let's stand together. Father, we are humbled at your grace that has been so lavishly poured out upon us, that, Lord, sometimes we have abused that grace. Forgive us for that. Lord, help us to, in those areas of our life that we know aren't pleasing you, and we just continue to do it anyway, Lord, help us to turn that over to you. Lord, help us to take the steps we need to take. Help us first to confess, to turn to you, and then, Lord, to begin this transformational activity in our lives. Go with us now this week as we, Lord, think about this one thing. But then, Lord, as we replace it with the one new thing, as we leave behind the old and we head to the new, as we break that power of sin and darkness and lean on the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to be serious about our, our faith. Be serious about how we live for you. And Lord, give us freedom. 
And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you go this week, focus on that one thing. And I encourage you to be back next week. Uh, Mike Beef, recovery pastor from our Port St. Lucie, Florida church. We've invited up to share with us. We're excited about his sharing and his testimony. Come bring friends and we're, we'll see you next week. You're dismissed. <laughs>